Hello. This is Ira Glass. Welcome back to This American Life on NPR. I'm Ira Glass. This is NPR. Hello, and this is Link Labrador, the American war dog of the furry fandom. Yes, thank you, Link Labrador. Today we are interviewing Link Labrador about whatever subject that he chooses on This American Life by Ira Glass. This is NPR. Yes. What subject would you like to talk about, Sir Labrador? The the Labrador would be interested in the topic of economic stability and making sure that you protect your assets from weird individuals who want to sue you. That is an excellent topic. All right, so out of character for Ira Glass now, uh, my name is Neil Fox, and I am the president for life of the furry fandom, democratically elected, of course. I'm also the democratically elected president of Time and Space, and I hope to be, eventually, the democratically elected president of the United States. Now, how does one define an asset? Because we, if we're talking about protecting assets, we got to start at the very beginning. What is an asset? An asset is a, in the simplest terms, a piece of property, a item, an artifact, a physical object, a tangible object, and or a digital object that creates economic flow in the positive direction. Now, before I finish, to count to uh, balance that statement out just a little bit. Mm-hmm. The other question is, what is a liability? A liability is a object that has the potential of losing you money. Think of it like a toy, like an ATV that you buy for yourself. Technically a li- liability if it's not tied up under the correct uh, the correct documentation, because. A business could buy an ATV. An individual could buy an ATV. The difference between the two is... The difference between the two is purpose for tax statements. In my own personal opinion. I'm hearkening back to um, Rich Dad Poor Dad for all of my... For those statements. Yeah. I'm paraphrasing fantastic book. Guys, should probably go read it. Now, recommended um, by me. What? I recommended that book to you, my love. Yes! But Neil Fox also recommends it. Again, this is not a sponsored bit. So, Robert Kiyosaki, call me. Again, this isn't a sponsored bit. Please sponsor us. I would be more than happy. Robert Kiyosaki, if you ever listen to this podcast or one of your staff, I would be more than happy to play your game called The Rat Race. I would be more than happy to play it on a stream and show people how to play and how to win the rat race of life. Yes. So, uh, your definition is incorrect, my love. Okay. So, you are somewhat correct but your your definition is a bit muddled and confused okay like myself correct uh, puppies are often muddled and confused that's fine that's just how puppies are so 
he's he's distracted by shiny buttons. Um, so, uh, it is important when you're talking about a base concept. Yeah. Like, what is an asset? It is important to define it in very simple terms. Now, we can add a lot of the information that you mention, but we need to we need to start with a very simple definition. Okay. So. In terms of a business, or in terms of a person, an asset is something that has positive financial value. Yeah. A liability is something that has negative financial value. Okay? Yeah. Now, what would be an example of an asset? Just, just... Give any example of something that has positive financial value for yourself or for a business. A brick of gold. Okay, good example. So, a brick of gold is, last I looked at the numbers, worth somewhere around 300000 mm-hmm. I, I don't remember the exact number, yep. but it's roughly around 300000 So, do you know the concept of what's called double-entry bookkeeping? Double-entry bookkeeping is a concept that I'm going to pass right back into your corner. I have been served the ball! Yes! Thank you for giving me the ball, Sir Labrador. Now, uh, double-entry bookkeeping is a concept that was invented by uh, some of the people in uh, the time of Machiavelli. It was invented in the 1600s, if I recall correctly. Because that was when banking started to become an important business in Italy. So, uh, if I recall correctly, that's where it was invented. I'd have to look it up. But anyway, that's where it became popular at the very least. So, it became popular with people doing shipping. It became popular with people doing uh, banking. And then eventually it became popular with business owners, merchants, stores, etc. So... Double entry bookkeeping is a very simple way to be able to do your books more accurately. Now, I won't go into all the details because it is quite complicated and I am not an expert. I am not an accountant. I hate accounting. Accounting is boring. I love statistics because statistics are fascinating. Statistics can predict the future with a very, very high degree of accuracy. Bookkeeping is just, how many beans do we have? That's why it's called bean counters. So. I'll count your beans. Oh my. One bean? Two beans? Your toe bean. Toe bean? Anyway. Uh, so. Is this the adult podcast or is this a safe work? Uh, this will be an adult podcast, yes. Okay. Uh, so. I will, I will have to remember to make sure to put it as not safe work. But anyway, uh, because I, I doubt many kids would be very interested in the concept of double-entry bookkeeping. I mean, they, they tried to shoehorn politics into Star Wars, so who knows what children are into these days? Darling! <laughs> when was Star Wars not about politics? What is an empire? Uh... Define an empire. An emperor wanting to build a giant fuck off death, death laser. No. Where did the name emperor come from? 
From the Roman Empire. It probably came from before that, but that's where it popularized it, was from the Roman emperors. Yeah. Were the Roman emperors politicians, my love? Yes. Now, what is someone who starts a political rebellion? A rebel. A terrorist. Depending on your own personal morals and values. I know. One calls them a terrorist. The other calls them a rebel. I know. And so I find it fascinating to look at Star Wars from the perspective of a historian. I'm I'm not a trained historian, but just as a student of history. Let me put it that way. As a student of history, I find it fascinating to look at Star Wars as a concept because... If you are a stormtrooper living on the Death Star, or living on a planet or whatever, and and your friends on the Death Star get blown up, then the rebels are terrorists. Yes! But if you are the rebels fighting for freedom and justice and equality for all species of aliens... You know, blowing up the world... Blowing up the galaxy's most expensive super weapon. Blowing up... Hold on. Blowing up... Let's put this in terms that are easier to understand with our modern context. It would be the equivalent of blowing up the Pentagon. 20 times over. we'll, We'll use the example of the Pentagon because it is by far the largest military building in the world. Yes. Like, no no other building even is close. No. Like, an aircraft carrier is at least on the same level, but it is not even close to the same size. So, blowing up the Pentagon would be the equivalent of blowing up the Death Star. Yes. Now, is America an empire? We try not to be. Incorrect. I mean... We try not to be, for PR reasons. We might as well be. Incorrect! We are an empire. Yes! What is an empire? Do you need me to read you the definition? Um, no. Okay, I'm going to do it anyway. Okay. Define... Empire. An extensive groups or an extensive group of states or countries under a single supreme authority, especially ruled by an emperor or empress. Okay. Now, let's go through that piece by piece. Is America an extensive group of states? Yes. Does America have large amounts of control over multiple countries, such as NATO. Yes. Is the United States and its territories and its allies controlled primarily by a single supreme authority? Uh... Yes. Yes, it really shouldn't be, but yes. Now, now, to be fair, to, to give America the slightest, tiniest most minuscule amount of credit. We do have 
a government with three branches, which is better than one single emperor, for yes. sure. You know, we, we have a Congress, we have a Supreme Court, and we have a presidency. And supposedly, supposedly, they should have roughly equal power. Now, now that is usually not the case in any point in American history, but they are supposed to be roughly equal in power. Now, that, that is not as well-defined in the Constitution as it should be. But, when you go through the Federalist Papers and all of these different documents that were written around the time by all the people who wrote the Constitution and signed the Constitution, they talked about this extensively, of like, we want to make sure that we have a balance of power between the states and the federal government, or between the Congress and the President, or between the Supreme Court and the lower courts, Yeah. for example. So. This is one of the reasons why America is not a dictatorship. For now. Because, goddamn, if he could have, Donald Trump would have made it into a dictatorship with him as the dictator. Thank God we have a government that has a balance of power between various different forces. Yes. So. They're just slowly replacing the Supreme Court with... Republicans at the moment, mm -hmm. and even the Supreme Court at this point is going, guys, fuck's sake, I'm tired of hearing about this shit, yeah. state, figure it out, <laughs> you're gonna overturn Roe v. Wade and make abortions illegal, no, the individual states will figure out if it's illegal or legal. See, now I have a very different opinion about this, my love. No, that's... I personally think that we should, as a country, sit down and have the conversation of, let's talk about the Constitution we have, mm -hmm. and add, uh, sit down and talk about it like civilized adults. Yep. Uh, and by the way, we the Constitution as a collective body to see if there are aspects of the Constitution that should be changed because when they set it up 250 fucking years ago, there are many, many concepts that our founding fathers did not take into account because they were... Such no as women. Exactly. The concept of women. Again. Women. As Half the population. As a country. I do not... I personally do not have the full context to make a informed, overarching agreement or disagreement of what the Supreme Court is doing. I have that information. Would you like me to tell you? He does. Let me finish. Okay. So what I have been doing is educating myself on what the on what the Constitution says, yep. on what the Supreme Court's been up to, yep. on making decisions for myself about X, Y, and Z. Right. Talking to people that are far smarter than I because there's nothing wrong with talking to people that are smarter than you. You don't want to be the smartest fucking person in the room. You're an idiot if you're the smartest person in the room. Correct. You are the dumbest person in the room. Correct. Go find someone smarter than you. It's not hard. Correct. Now, uh, this actually brings up a really good point because uh, this is something that I wish that more people understood, especially teachers. Yes! 
okay? Especially teachers, especially college professors, because they are used to being the smartest person in the classroom. Yes. And that is completely normal. Of course, in a, car, in, a, in a class of kindergartners, the teacher is the smartest person in the room. Which is fine. Of course they are. In a class of college students, there is an exceptionally high likelihood that the professor is the smartest person in the room. That, that is not always the case, but is generally the case. Yes. Now, I am a person who is intelligent. By every different definition that you could put. And yep. I, I actually have a lot of trouble telling people this concept because it is almost impossible for me to talk about it without sounding like an arrogant asshole. Okay, yep. So, it is a fact that on every standardized test that I have ever taken, I scored exceptionally high. That is a fact. I am not stating that because I have pride. I'm not stating that because I'm a narcissist, despite the fact that I am a narcissist. I am not stating that to bolster my own ego. I'm just saying that because it is a fact. Mm-hmm. It's the same as I have a disability. I have mental health issues. I score very highly on standardized tests. I, on the other hand, score very lowly on... Uh, I score very highly on standardized tests as well when I can read the damn things. Yeah, be able to read it and then tell you, oh yeah, this, that, this, that, yeah, 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 yeah. No big deal. Other than that, it's like, I'm a goldfish. <laughs> no. It's terrible. So, let me get to my point. Which is... I am not... By any stretch, I am not the smartest person. I score, generally speaking, around the 98th percentile, which means that in a room of 100 average people, oh no, I'm sorry, in a room of 100 randomly selected people, I'm around the top one or two or three percent. So in a room of 100 people, I'm the first, second, third, fourth smartest person in the room, somewhere around there. And so, people like me, who are more intelligent than the average person, including people who are college professors, people who are doctors, people who are lawyers, are used to being the smartest person in the room. Because in a room of 10 people, there's a very high chance that they are the smartest person in the room. In a group of 100 people, it's pretty likely that they're at least close to the top. In a group of a million people, they are definitely not the smartest person in the room. No! In, in, a, in a group of a million people, there are going to be several hundred people who are smarter than you. Yes! And so... Which is neither a good thing nor a bad thing. No, it's not! It is a fact. Facts are not good or bad. They are simply true. Yes. The speed of light is a constant. The speed of light is a specific amount of meters per second. If that is not a good thing, that is not a bad thing, it is just a fact. No, it's just a ram speed of the universe. It's fine. Correct, but... Uh, we'll, More we'll, on that we'll, later. We'll, we'll get back to quantum physics and time travel in another episode. We've, we've got a lot to talk about there, but <laughs> I'm trying to get to a point. Which is, I learned at a very young age from my mother, who is a very talented educator and a doctor, 
to seek out people who are smarter than you. Me too! I, I'm sure you learned this from your mom. Yes! Because I would say at least 90% of people, probably more, probably more like 95% of people, do not like when someone corrects them. Or do not, they do not like to be wrong. No! Now, I do not enjoy being wrong, obviously. I am a narcissist! Of course I hate being wrong. But I am also a scientist. And a scientist has to have the humility to be able to say, okay, you've presented me evidence that has proven me incorrect. It was not a bad thing that I was incorrect. I was just wrong. And that's okay. Which creates opportunity for dialogue and conversation. Correct. Which my partner and I, we've had many in-depth private conversations including the meaning of life, including the meaning of decision making and other topics that I'm not that we're not going to go into here, but again, one of the keys that make a relationship work is communication and humility. Correct. Take Bill Gates and his wife. Some of the richest people on fucking earth. They couldn't make... Uh, I don't know what happened between those two. I don't... And they kept it mostly private, so and not any... Pretty much nobody knows other than them. Exactly. Could have just been, hey, we're... T I'm, I'm getting tired of you. Getting tired of looking at you. I'm, you're getting tired of looking at me. You were on the Pornhub, and you were on the grinder, and I caught you cheating, and why, how dare you? You don't love me no more. Are you bored of me? And the was like, guys, right. there's more life than just sex. Correct. Sex does not make a relationship. No, it does not. You can't found a relationship on sex. Trust me, my ex tried. Yeah. And she, she flat out asked me, are you bored of me? Bored of the decisions you're making. They're not fun. They're Correct. not interesting. Well, and There's no. Here, here. Oh, well, let me finish. Sorry, sorry. Go ahead. One of my other, one of the other reasons why I left my ex was she chose to just stay put. She decided to stay too grounded mm. without moving forward with responsibilities. Right. She refused to get a job. Mm -hmm. She, her mother was actively telling her to just never get a job, don't get a job, never get a job, never get a job, because you lose all your benefits. I'm like, that's incorrect. And even if it, even if it were correct, even, yeah. even if that were true, why not go and volunteer at a soup kitchen? I tried to get her to do that, but it, 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 literally one day a week will not kill you. No. To go and do something nice for your community. You know, if you are a religious person, host a potluck at your church every Sunday. Yeah. Everyone will love it. And it's not that much work. No. You, you, you literally, to, to host a church potluck, all you have to do is go to the pastor and say, I would like to host a potluck. Can you put it in next week's bulletin? Yeah. And all of the little old ladies at the church will make cookies and soups and bread and all of this. And you come together and you have done almost no work yourself. Mm -hmm. 
but everybody has delicious food, everybody has a fun time, and they go, oh, you know, you did such a wonderful thing putting this together. Thank you so much for doing this. Yeah. You are wonderful. And doesn't that feel good? Yes. Like, you have done a good thing by doing that. That did not take very much work. No, it didn't. Like, I, how much work did it take to put together the meats that we did? Uh, it was more work keeping the meats from becoming anarchy and chaos. Actually putting them together, relatively simple. Right. So, so just to just to prove my point, you know, if someone wants to do a meetup, and it doesn't have to be a furry meetup, it could be a meetup for knitters, it could be a meetup for gun enthusiasts, it could be a meetup for fishermen. For... Just keep the alcohol away from the guns, you should be fine. Guys, yeah, don't. guns drink so much alcohol. <laughs> guys. Hey guys. <laughs> Colt 45 here, I'm really drunk right now. Guys, just, just don't play the shotgun beer shoot game. Jesus Christ. Don't worry about it. But my point. <laughs> my my point is, my point that I'm trying to get to is, we set up a we set up a group on Telegram. Yep. We set up a um, we set up a group, and then I set up a bot to just post every week, announcing that there was going to be a meetup that week. Yep. So that way, I didn't have to remember to do it. Exactly. And what do you know? Everybody got on board and said, hey, okay, there's a meetup that happens every week. If I want to go, I can go and bring some food. Yep. If I no don't, alcohol? No, and, and we had some very specific rules. Yes. And, and I bring this up because people have been saying some very funny things online. Yes. Like, oh, well, you're accusing Majira of being a rapist and, and, and you had sex at, at your parties. And I'm like, are you stupid? Legal, consensual, there was nobody... Okay, I wouldn't say there was nobody drunk, but we tried to keep that as low as humanly possible. We had a policy against drinking. Yes. So if someone breaks that policy, that's on them. Yes. So we, we had some very specific ground rules to make it safe for everyone. Yes. One, no alcohol. Ever. Exactly. Because it was a not safe for work meetup. Yeah. So so just for for those listening who probably you know, many of you probably have not been to our meetups because, you know, only a couple of hundred people ever came, so you know, it, you, you if we have a, several thousand people or several hundred thousand people listening, you know, obviously not all of them have come to our meetup. So let me just so, explain real quick. So, we would host a furry meetup every Saturday. Yep. And it was from 4 p.m. until around midnight, oftentimes later, but around midnight was when we would generally close up shop. And uh, it was very specific rules. It was, one, day one, from day one, my number one rule was no drama. Yes. If you are a drama queen, do not come to the meetup. Anytime someone would start drama of, well, this person said this, and this person said this, and yeah, now you have to make a decision of who's right and who's wrong, I would say, I don't care. Figure it out, and do not talk about it at my house. You guys are adults. If you need to work out a disagreement, 
by all means, work it out, but do it away from me, not in my house, and not in my chat. And people be like, oh, but, but they said this, and it's important because this... I, I'm, I don't care. Take it up with one of the moderators. No, 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 no. That's not what I said. I oh. said, take it out of the chat. Yes. You take are it. not allowed to discuss your disagreements in my chat. No, You can not. discuss it in private as much as you want. But you cannot form tribes of people in my chat, pitting them against one another. Because that is how groups die. Yes. That is how, that is the quickest way to have a group fail, is by having a, several teams of people fighting against each other. Yeah, we, we, towards the very end of the meets, we had to bring down the hammer on our own moderation staff. <laughs> yeah. Because... Uh, wait, don't worry about that right now, my love. I'm telling the beginning of the story. You're telling the end of the story. So let, yes. let's roll it back. We will get to the end of the story eventually, but it's not going to be in this podcast. No, it won't. All right, so the meets had very specific ground rules, like I said. Mm-hmm. The first few meets that I did for however many months it was, uh, probably a couple dozen meets, it was completely safe for work. So it yep. was, you know, no inappropriate touching, no, or, well, inappropriate. No adult touching. No, uh, you know, you could, like, kiss or hold hands or something, but no, like, sexual behavior anywhere in the house. Uh, not, and not including behind closed doors, obviously. But in the public space, no sexual contact of any kind. And so I decided that I would change the rule. And I would say, after 8 p.m., People can go down to their underwear if they want. They do not have to. It is not a requirement. It is not an underwear party. It is optional. If you want to wear underwear and nothing else, you can. But you must, under every circumstance, you must have full consent. And we will not allow any person under the age of 18 for any reason. And I, I was very specific. I said, I will not allow an exception for any reason. And again, that is to protect us. Yes. And to protect the attendees. Yep. Because if someone lies about their age, which to my knowledge no one ever did, but I mean several hundred people came, so it is possible that happened. I don't know. But, if someone lied about their age, knowing the rules, that's on them. Mm-hmm. You have to have the rule in place. It is similar to the reason why we have laws. Yes. Because, ignorance of the law is no excuse. Yep. It's a party where you can wear underwear in the public space. If you are not over the age of 18, you are not welcome in the door. And and also, we had a compromise between various different people of, okay, so some people do not want to be at a party where people are wearing nothing but underwear. Great! You can come from 4 to 8 p.m. You can enjoy the food, enjoy the company, and then before 8 p.m., you can head home if you want to. Yep. <clears throat> and so... 
to those people who had the gall to say, oh, well, you're as bad as Majira. No, we are better than him. I had exceptionally specific ground rules of consent. No underage people. And verbal consent must be established before anything happens ever. You know, if, if you're going to cuddle with someone, if you're going to kiss someone, if you're going to grope someone, whatever, do it safely and make sure there is full consent 100% of the time. And if anyone revokes consent or is not comfortable for any reason, they can say stop at any time. Now, I do not know because I am not an intimate friend with Majira. I, I mean, I, I exchanged a lot of messages with him, but I was just his merch manager. I wasn't like his best friend or something. You, know, it, you exchange a lot of people. You, you exchange a lot of messages with people you do business with. Yes, I, I, w I was never like a close personal friend of his, as far as at least by my definition. I, I don't know how he feels about it, but uh, I know just from knowing him as a person that he did not establish these kinds of rules with the people that he slept with at conventions. I, I would be shocked if he checked IDs like we did for the event. Yeah. Every, every time someone new wanted to come to the event, we said, okay, if you are, and of course we, we didn't have to check if someone is like obviously over the age of 30 or something like that, but like for someone anywhere near the age of consent, anywhere, like anywhere near, show your ID. And if you don't show your ID, you cannot come. You cannot come. Sorry. Anyway, bad joke. Dad joke. Meow. And, and, and I did find it very funny that people got upset when, when like, sexual things would happen in the public space. Not, not like, sex, quote-unquote, but sexual things, like sexual touching or, like, intimate cuddling or something like that. And people be like, whoa, whoa, I'm offended by that. And I'm like, then go home. This is my house and you are following my rules. If you don't like the fact that I have changed the rules to say that people can, with full consent, over the age of 18, with consent able to be revoked at any time. If you have any problem with that, then don't come. It's an, it's, people will be wearing underwear. If you're not comfortable with that, then don't come. There are plenty of other furry meetups in Indianapolis that you can go to. This, this, this is my meetup where I do things that I enjoy doing, like cuddling people. Yes. If you have a problem with that, then don't come to my party! Or more. How many times did I walk in on you? Well, again, just to be clear for the audience, because they do not know what happened, since most of them were not there. Fair enough. Let's be clear. Behind closed doors. Yes. With full consent. Yes. With people that I knew well. Yes. 
you know, generally speaking, not not in every case, because you know I am a person who enjoys having fun. Wow. I'm enjoy when I say having fun. I'm a person who enjoys having sex. That yes. Is, that is just who I am. Yes. If you have a problem with that, that's your problem. I am a person who does not have any STIs. I do not have anything to pass on because I am always careful. Always. And, generally speaking, again, probably not in every single case, just because lots of different sexual encounters happen, but generally speaking, I would get to know the person very well before doing anything sexual with them. Now, does that sound like what Majira did, where he would go to fa- we, he would go up to fans at conventions and just ask them to have sex? I'm sorry, that is not what I did. And if anyone would like to try to prove in court that's what I did, you are welcome to try, because you are wrong. Majira may or may not have broken the law. I don't know. But at bare minimum, he was a creepy, over-sexual person who groomed his fans, including myself. Yes. Now, if you don't believe my personal experience backed up with chat logs, then you are the problem. And that is my soapbox for today. concept of what is an asset to all of that. Um, so, what is an asset? <laughs> a asset is a object that provides positive money flow. No. It is not an object. It is a uh, it is a thing on the balance sheet that is a positive amount of money. Okay. A thing on the balance sheet could be a logo. It could be a patent. Which are assets. Correct, but they are not objects. A patent is not an object. A patent is a document that can be stored digitally. So that is not an object. Uh, 
my puppy is getting sleepy. So we're going to end this episode. And uh, is there anything you would like to say to the fans before we end the episode, my love? Uh, no. Stay safe out there. Yes, stay safe, my friends. Be careful, and uh, sometimes weird shit happens. More on that later. Oh, God. Uh, yeah, we, we'll probably have to do about 17,000 podcasts about what happened this week, but uh, <laughs> we'll save that for another time. So um, thank you so much for listening. Uh, if you're listening to this on YouTube, it would be greatly appreciated if you could give it a like, a comment, uh, anything like that. If you're listening to it on a different podcast platform, if you could give it a review, like on Apple Podcasts, that would be much appreciated. So, I have been your host, your time-traveling fox, Neil Fox. And with me, as always, is my trusty partner, Link Labrador. Link Labrador! Signing off. Signing on yeah, Brad. <laughs> so this book is called More Stories from the Twilight Zone by Rod Sterling Page number one You can't plan things in the Twilight Zone you might get on a plane bound for New York and find yourself try- <laughs> trying to find yourself landing at Idlewild in a field full of grazing dinosaurs. You might sit down ready to pound your typewriter. <laughs> you might sit down ready to pound your typewriter and find your typewriter pounding you. <laughs> Or you might woo and win the only woman left on your planet, and after a week of bliss, discover that she runs on electronics. Chances are you won't ever have to live in the Twilight Zone, but it's fun to wander once in a while and find out how soft, grim old reality is. More stories from the Twilight Zone by Rodster. First story is called The Lonely. <laughs> now I'm not going to do the Rod Sterling voice the entire time. But I'm already recording. It was like the surface of a giant stone. This desert that stretched from the broiling yellow net to the scrubby line of mountains on one side and the shimmering salt flats on the other. Occasional dunes and gullies punctuated the yellow stones with thin, dark, purple streaks. But for the most part, it looked endless and unchanged. A barren mass of sand that beckoned the heat waves and then soaked it into itself. The shack was an alien element on the scene. It sits some 80 miles from the nearest mountains. It was built with corrugated metal and a flat, sleeping roof. Alongside it was a 1943 sedan, a metal pitted windshield without glass, looking as if a wind could blow it apart. Sitting on the metal porch, shaded by the overhang of the roof, was James Corey, 
He was 40, with a lean, long-jawed face and deep-set, light-blue eyes. His hair, once brown, was now a bleached-out thatch that hung dry over his forehead, with streaks of gray at the temples. Corey was writing slowly and painstakingly in a large diary. Sometimes he paused and squinted at the desert around him. In the beginning, Corey had been able to lose himself in activities and forget the desert. When he put the old car together, for example, he'd been able to work three or four hours at a stretch, unmindful of the white orb overhead, or even the furnace-like air that sometimes hung heavy and sometimes was thrown at him by the wind in hot gusts. But that was five years ago, when he was first put down. Old, beat-up car had occupied his time. Writing his diary had been more for him than past the time. It had been like a survival exercise, in the practice of which a man could train himself to compartmentalize his thoughts, shut out the heat, disregard the loneliness, and somehow make a day go by and then night and then another day. He had been 35 when it happened, and odd times had come back to him graphic and clear, in actual chronology and vivid, almost unbearable recall. He could see the dead body of his wife, struck down by a wildly speeding driver. This incredible beautiful woman, in one violent, shrieking moment, was turned into a thing of horror, to lie in unrecognizable pulp on the city street. While the drunken maniac responsible leaned along to wind up against the outpost. Corey saw it happen from his apartment window and dashed onto the street. He took one look at his wife and then ran toward the smashed car. The driver was getting out, his face ashen with sudden sobriety laced with horror. It had only taken a moment for Corey to do his job. Goaded by a fury, an anger, a hatred, a torment which knew no bounds. He strangled the man with his bare hands while onlookers screamed, and two large men had been unable to tear him away. His trial had been brief. The extenuating circumstances surrounding the homicide kept him from being, quote, release pills, unquote, that had taken long ago for gas chambers, gallows, and electric chairs. But often, sitting on the front porch of his desert home, fingers shaking, skin feeling taut, poreless, his whole body somehow mummified and foreign to him. He would reflect that a sentence of 35 years on a sandy asteroid would be less compassionate than a swift and painless exit from a black void. Corey fingered quickly through the pages of his diary from August 1993 back to June of 1990, remembering another portion of his brain long ago, how that passage of time had taken in actuality. He looked out towards the distant salt flats. He had started walking towards them three years ago, and collapsed three hours away from the shack. He knew that the heat and the desert were bars, and the area around his home was a dungeon. He didn't remember exactly at what point he had been unable to lose himself in writing or doing chores, and the loneliness of the place had taken on an almost physical discomfort. It was an emotional reaction, but it with it, an ache in the body and mind, it was deep, real, and constant. 